Stephanie Lugo, ex-corporate 9to5er turned top producing realtor and coach. Along the way to growing a top 1% attraction-based real estate business, I became obsessed with all things marketing systems, scaling, and social. But it wasn't always easy, and I remember what it felt like to lack the confidence, direction, and know-how to make it happen. So I created the Market Authority Show to share simple, actionable, step-by-step help and inspiration to build your dream real estate business with help from timeless principles and today's cutting-edge strategies. Here, we always keep it real and never shy away from the topics that you are dying to know more about but can never get a straight answer to. Clients, growth, family balance, failure, and how to navigate an ever-changing real estate industry are just a few of the topics that we're going to tackle together. Whether you're just starting out on your real estate journey or you've been around for a while, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve that you'll want in on and all are welcome here. So let's dive in. The question that I get asked most often these days is, is that spit up on your shirt? (laughs) The second is, what's it like working with your spouse? The topic of really how to succeed in a partnership in real estate came up on a coaching call this week in the Market Authority Academy, and it made me think about my own real estate partnership. Now, if you didn't know, I have been lucky enough to build a an incredible business with my best friend, husband, and partner, Bryce. You might know that our story starts way back in 2014, 2015, when we kicked our nine to fives and started in real estate full time with no experience in the industry. We just kind of wanted to make it happen. One day, Bryce came home from work with a real estate textbook in hand and said that he was going to start a new business in real estate. He was going to take night classes after work. And after the new year in 2015, he was going to go full time. And he asked me if I wanted to join. And at the time I hated my job so much. I was crying on the way to work every day. I was, I was a big dramatic baby about it. And I was thrilled to have any opportunity to get out of court, the corporate world. And so I said, yes. And so that's what we did. We spent about six months in 2014 preparing for our big leap. We saved a bunch of money, as much as we could anyway, and took our night classes, passed our licensing exams, created a business plan, and hung our license with a brokerage, and we never looked back. Now, while we think that we did a pretty good job preparing for that transition, nothing can really prepare you for what it's like to work with somebody who you live with, somebody who you're really close with, much less a romantic partner. And so of course there are so many layers when it comes to this conversation, but this is an episode that I've been wanting to put together for a really long time. And this week, Gisela, our content manager said, Steph, you should really do this episode. I think it's time. There's a really good need for this and the community is going to love hearing it. So I said, okay, I went ahead on the Instagram stories and I also asked for your questions and I have a bunch of questions to answer here on this episode, as well as share the five lessons that we learned together on this journey. 
Now, this episode is brought to you by the Market Authority Academy, which is a mentorship program available to real estate professionals who desire to grow their brand and business using the modern social media strategies and proven systems designed for maximum scalability. If that sounds like something you're into, head on over to the show notes to schedule a call with my team to to discover how the Market Authority Academy can help you triple your real estate business this year. So we have quite a few duos in the Market Authority Academy, and these questions do pop up time to time from partnerships made up of best friends, mother-daughter, sisters, spouses, friends, mentor and mentee, you name it. A duo can look like any combination of two different relationships. Now for us, we were boyfriend-girlfriend, and then as we're growing this business together, we ended up getting engaged, married, and now we have a family with two beautiful little boys. I mean, it's it's been a while. We've been doing this for a while, right? Once we found our stride, we really never looked back. There were so many lessons that we learned along the way, like how to delegate, who does what, and one thing people always want to know, how to not totally get sick of each other. So like I mentioned, I'm going to be sharing the five biggest lessons that we learned together in our partnership, and then I'll answer those Q&A items from my Instagram stories at the end. Okay, let's start with lesson number one. So the first thing that you want to do when you're establishing a partnership is really finding synergy with your goals, values, and mission. You really have to have a sit down with the individual that you are considering having a partnership or someone who you're already in a partnership with and be able to articulate the vision for the near and the long term together. You want to make sure that you both have the same intention of what you want to create with this business, what that mission looks like, what shared values you guys hold most important, and you want to understand what motivates you and the other person as well. Now, this is also a really important factor in the hiring process, which was a question that I got on the Instagram stories, and I'll go a little bit deeper um, once we get to that. But you really do want to understand what motivates each other, because you might have a blind spot for what you kind of really need in order to keep things going. So for example, motivation is something that real estate agents are always wondering how how to stay motivated how to stay motivated, how to stay inspired towards your goals. And a lot of real estate agents assume that just by having accountability in another person, then you can you can create that motivation just through that collaboration back and forth. That's really not so much the case because motivation is going to come and go. And when you have another person who is involved in this working unit with you, you are also susceptible to their ebbs and flows and their emotional state and whether or not they come to the table with fresh energy and inspiration driven by motivation, right? And so you you have to understand what drives the other person. Are they motivated by money? Do they have a chip on their shoulders so they're out to make their mark on the world? That's kind of me and Bryce, I would say. <laughs> you, you have to know where their comfort zone is and what happens when they kind of settle into that comfort zone. You really want to get a sense of the other person's nature is what it comes down to. And if you have a pretty solid relationship with this person already, you might have some clues, but there are some things that you can ask them to uncover some of these ideas because what you want to know ultimately is whether or not you two are both going to have the same amount of drive towards your goals. If you 
get into a partnership and you guys think that you're on the same page with a mission to impact 100 families every year and help them with their home purchase or sale, right? That's a huge undertaking, even just for two people. But what's going to happen when one of you gets tired or hungry? Are one of you going to slack off and the other one's going to have to pick it up? Like what, what are those moments going to look like that ultimately happen in every partnership? So that's the first one. You really have to find those synergy with goals, values, and and your mission. And you need to be able to articulate that. And so that's actually part of the business plan that we put together in the Market Authority Academy is identifying what those vision, um, what the vision, the goals, the values, the mission, all those really important parts that bring that human element to a business. Because that's that story that's going to drive you guys through the lull periods, through hard times, through failures, and through when you just kind of are lacking motivation. The next thing that we learned, and we kind of knew this going into it, was we really understood the importance of developing roles within our team and organization. So Bryce and I have always been a small but mighty unit. Like we were never those people who wanted to come into real estate and grow a mega team and hire a bunch of people and just have this enormous organizational unit. For a long time, it was just him and I, and we had an assistant at one point. We had our transaction coordinator. Like we had support as we needed it, of course, but it's always really just been him and I. But even with the two of us, we had very clear roles carved out after we really figured out what we wanted to do um, within the team. And so there's a couple of things that you can do here just to start. Now, for for Bryce and I, we went through a couple of years, like one or two years of sharing all of the work in the real estate business because we were coming into the industry, both of us, with absolutely no clue what to do. I'm not even kidding you. We, we had no understanding of what it took to build a business together, much less in the real estate industry. And so the first couple of years were straight up just learning everything, learning the transactions, learning different team structures, learning the market, learning the tech that comes with it, right? Understanding the MLS, understanding where to upload docs to the brokerage, um, DocuSign, like all, it, all down to the basics. So we had to really spend a lot of time learning that. And that learning curve took us a while because it was such a giant transition. But over time, we really kind of understood how the different workflows kind of broke down in a real estate business. And from there, we found each other's strengths and interests and kind of began to divvy up um, work based off of that to help us define roles. Now, this is different from straight up delegation. By defining a role, you're able to articulate the expectation of each other, right? So just delegating work and making sure it gets done, that's one thing. The other is saying, here's our big goal. Here's where we're taking the business. As a wheel on the vehicle, here is what I am responsible for from A to Z. This is my commitment and this is how I'm going to be contributing to this business as a vehicle to get us to our goals, right? And so it's really defining a role and understanding how that person needs to operate. And then all the delegation happens underneath that umbrella. So where you can start with this is by number one, finding each other's strengths. 
Now, you can do a lot of different personality tests, of course. You can do a disk analysis. You can do the strengths finder. What I actually find to be the most insightful is the Colby Index because it's very unique. It does not measure intelligence. It doesn't measure personality or a social style. It measures the instinctive ways that you take action when you strive. And now some people really strive with a list. You can give them a list and they will bust all of that work out from start to finish. They will not deviate from that list. They will not take initiative to go beyond that. And they do not have vision to see beyond the list of work that you've given them. Other people have really expansive vision and they're dreamers and they can really begin to imagine what's possible with a little bit of effort and then develop really neat frameworks to make that vision come into fruition. But in terms of the actual day-to-day execution, they kind of struggle, right? And so understanding these different nuances is really helpful beyond just a DISC personality because it helps you understand who's going to do well with what kind of work. So for example... I love to tinker. I love the marketing. I love the back end. I do not strive in face-to-face environments. I'm a little bit more introverted. I find socializing and networking very draining. That's something that I've really had to work on over the last 10 years. Whereas Bryce is the exact opposite. He does really well face-to-face with people. He gains a lot of energy from that. He loves the going out around town, doing showings, that's where he really strives the best and that's where he thrives in in those areas. For me, I can create a lot of momentum from our business if I never leave my desk in my home office where I'm comfortable and I know where the coffee maker is and I know I have a clean bathroom for when I need to break and I know that my environment is all taken care of, right? Like that's just, maybe that's a little TMI, but that's kind of how it worked out for us. And so with the with that information, we were really able to develop those roles in our team and organization. Now, if we look at Gary Keller's format for a team in the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, I don't know if I'm even saying that title. It's been a while since I've read it. That seems to be like the gold standard for any team format. We can look at that for some clues on what roles need to be accounted for. So you have the team lead, you have the transaction coordinator, of course, and then you have buyers agents or showing agents who's really heavy on like the front end side in terms of just getting a, a client from contract to close, right? You have the administrative assistants who do a lot of things on the back end. So again, it can look however it needs to look for your organization, depending on how you're setting it up. There's really no one way to define what roles any given organization needs. But for us, I basically handle everything from the marketing to generating the leads to getting leads to the signed employment contract. Past that point, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't, (laughs) and I know that sounds crazy, but at this point, I understand that I just don't like going to showings. I don't want to be servicing listings and going around the valley and hopping in and out of the car all day. Like that is just not something that I want to do. So everything on the back end of the business to generating clients, making those connections, building our database, getting all that organized, and then generating leads that we can then convert into lifetime clients, that's where I thrive. Anything after that, Bryce picks up and goes. 
once you have an understanding of who's going to handle what, then you can really go deep into organiz- into delegation rather. And that's our third lesson is understanding delegation and in Bryce's words, really getting that taken care of early. <laughs> so because I asked him, I said, what was the most important thing to you with us creating a business model that worked? And he said, just really understanding that delegation piece early on and being able to split up work in a way that makes sense. And this was a question that I got asked from a few different people on Instagram this week is who who does what? Like, how do you delegate those different things? So again, if we look back to Bryce and my journey, what we did was we learned how to do everything each other. So we kind of have that Swiss army knife approach where um, he and I know exactly how to do each other's roles. Like we can step in and out of each other's position very easily, which is helpful if one of us is sick or when I was having a baby, right? So there are things that we can do to pick up each other's slack. But when it comes to the actual delegation what you want to do is really understand where one is going to start and the other is going to pick up. Some people want to create a team where they just kind of work parallel to each other, where they are both going to be in charge of their own marketing. Even if they're co-branded, they're both going to be in charge of marketing to their database, generating their own leads, and then closing their own leads, and then generating referrals from that database of closed business. Now, you can do that, but what's happening is you both are doing the exact same work. And so that's not really efficient, in my opinion. That's what we decided. And so that's why we decided to understand where I was going to start and stop and then where Bryce was going to pick up. And so because of that, I don't think delegation means... Um, splitting up leads. I think that it means more so understanding the different workflows and who's going to earn those. And that's kind of how we do things in the Market Authority Academy too. So what what we actually do is walk agents through a process where we help them understand every single task that has to happen in their business. So we go through, we track their time, we track all of the energy and actions that they put into their business, and we get a log of that. And we audit that task tracker to really determine what is the scope of work that needs to be divvied up. So from there, you can literally just write down every task that happens in the business and then divide it out together. You can have a conversation and say, okay, well, I want to do X, Y, and Z. You do A, B, and C. And if you're looking at your list and the other person has half the amount of work that you have, then you need to kind of reshuffle some of those items around. Um, But basically what you want to have an understanding of is that you are both going to either be contributing equal time or equal energy in terms of how much work is getting done. Then what you want to do is check base on that every 30 to 90 days to see how it's going. So once you both have your list of delegated items, you want to make sure that that is still working for you. So you may find after three months that taking on the transaction management portion of the business is just soul sucking and you hate it so much more than you thought that you would. And it's better outsourced to another individual who actually thrives in that type of work. Like you need to know that and you need to have that decision-making process nailed down in between you and your partner so that you can then delegate that piece off to somebody else when the time is right. So that would be my highest recommendation. After you write down every task in the business and divide it out, make sure that you are checking base every 30 to 90 days, especially in your first year together of the partnership, to see how it's going and make decisions on if changes need to be made.
That leads us to communication. So when to meet and review how things are going. And so one thing that Bryce and I were always really, really good about, this is a lesson that we learned kind of from the get-go, was the need for dedicated communication on the business. Even when it was just the two of us, we were always really good about having like CEO time is what we called it. And so every Friday we would have our time to meet and talk about what happened that week and then plan the following week. And it really helped us have a high level of visibility on what each other, you know, workload was looking like, what we were doing. If Bryce was a lot busier one week or if I was more busy another week, we would be able to understand where we needed to help each other out. So having those conversations was really helpful. And it was also helpful because during this time you have the opportunity to review your goals annually or quarterly and really just make sure to hold each other accountable to the commitments that you've set. So what you want to do for communication is minimum, you need to have that weekly team meeting, even when it's just the two of you. You have to treat this like a business. You can't be treating this like a dumb and dumber situation where you're both on the Vespa or whatever, kind of riding through town, giggling and having fun, right? You need to make sure that you are being really structured with the time and energy that you are approaching to the partnership and to the business or else it's just not going to work. So you want to make sure that during this weekly team meeting, you're at the very minimum reviewing your goals, you're doing a project status check-in, and then scheduling out the next week. And by scheduling out the next week, just kind of pay attention to what clients are hot in the pipeline, who's servicing who, any big appointments that you have coming up, any big marketing activities or projects that you're working on, that sort of thing. You then want to do your monthly and quarterly goal progress review and accountability. And again, this is something that we preach all the time in the Market Authority Academy is having that monthly and quarterly review process. Now, this is also why I created a quarterly planner. So this is very much in line with how we've done things in our workflow. The Market Authority Planner is an undated quarterly planner with that review process baked in on a weekly and quarterly basis. Um, So that's why we structured the Market Authority Planner in that way, because it mirrors how we found was the best approach to accountability and goal achievement in our business. Did you know that you can now get your very own Market Authority Planner designed by a realtor, that would be me, for realtors, this undated quarterly planner is as unique as your real estate business and helps you cut through the busy work to accomplish what matters. The Market Authority Planner will help you create meaningful progress by using the Market Authority proven framework that breaks down big dreams into manageable tasks. It helps you focus on what matters, stay consistent, and on track. Use this undated quarterly planner to track progress and tap into your potential to achieve more than ever in your real estate business. And dare I say, it's beautiful. It comes in a bound journal format that looks as good as it functions. You can choose between two colors, a beautiful ivory and a silky smooth black. It lays flat when opened and the paper is thick enough for your favorite inky gel pen. So far, the feedback has been incredible on the Market Authority Planner, and you can get your hands on one now. Check out the show notes to order yours today. Now, back to the show. Now, the fifth big lesson that we learned is one that we're still learning, (laughs) but it's the importance of giving criticism and feedback constructively. 
So Bryce and I work a lot on our communication. And I think any partnership requires a deep level of understanding how to communicate to each other effectively. And so what we do in this area, number one, we make sure that we give critical feedback in the moment and give it often. And we also ask for it even more often than that. You kind of have to show that you can take criticism before you can dish it, right? So what we do here has changed over the years. What I would suggest for you to do if you are in a new partnership or starting a new communication initiative is to create an agenda where you can send each other some key questions. And you can do this in your month or in your weekly CEO time or your weekly meeting, whatever you choose to call that. Have some key questions prepared, like, how are you feeling this week? What are your key priorities, metrics, and goals? And how could I have done, or what could I have done, rather, this week better to help you do your job? Was there any time that you needed something from me that you couldn't get? What broke down this week? How can we fix it? Just having some of those open-ended questions to start a dialogue is really helpful Because you want to create an environment and and a culture in your team where you can hold each other accountable, but also take the initiative to be very clear about what each other needs in order to succeed. And that would be the last lesson that I have is understanding how to give criticism and feedback constructively. I am in the middle of implementing a framework around this with my team called Radical Candor. There's a great book by the same name, Radical Candor, written by Kim Scott, that I think should be required reading for anybody who works with other professionals, especially in this type of a partnership. And it's really all about what different types of feedback look like when given poorly or when given well, and how you can leverage those principles in any organizational unit uh, to have just better collaboration, work better together. It's honestly something that I wish that I had gone through as a young adult at the very beginning of my career, because it would have saved me a lot of embarrassing moments um, when I was too proud or too afraid to give or take criticism well. So those are the five core lessons that we learned. Finding synergy with goals, values, and mission. Developing roles within the team and organization. Delegating underneath that and getting that taken care of early. Communicating, so when to meet and what to cover. And giving criticism and feedback constructively. Those five lessons are kind of the core framework that have also guided me to help teach real estate agents how to build businesses that thrive in the Market Authority Academy, whether they are solo agents or whether they are in their own partnerships as well. Now, as I mentioned, I also have a bunch of Q&A items here. So I'm going to run through these kind of rapid fire style. And if you have any questions that we did not cover during this episode, I invite you to send me a direct message on Instagram at Bryce and Stephanie, and I'm happy to help where I can. So the first question that I got asked, and honestly, I get asked this constantly, so this was natural to receive. How do you balance being a couple and working together? <laughs> so 
this is going to be super individualized based off of us, right? Any other any other spouse or couple duo, husband and wife duo, whatever, is going to have a different answer for you. And so I think the quick answer is you just have to figure it out and you have to do what works for you. Bryce and I always joke that it's us against the world. We have an extremely tight relationship and we have each other's back in everything that we do. Um, not to get too personal, but we don't really have much family outside of the two of us. Um, there's, there's really not like grandparents in the picture on either side for our kids. There's just, it's, it's really just me and Bryce, um, beyond some extended family members who we love very dearly, but just don't really see and, and that, you know, they're, they're just not very involved on a day-to-day basis. And so when it comes to the family unit, at least, and for our tribe, it's me and Bryce. And because of that, we have a really deep sense of loyalty to each other. And we really are protective over each other's hearts. And we are each other's greatest cheerleaders. And maybe it's just because there's something about just knowing that it's just us um, with our kids, but really it's just us that that has a level of that brings a level of intensity to everything that we do if that makes sense i hope that doesn't sound super weird so when it comes to business we just understand that that's our vehicle to provide for our family and our future we love being able to be a witness to each other in our zones of genius there's nothing cooler than being able to see what bryce does best And even the other day, I was kind of listening in on a conversation that he was having with a client of ours, and I couldn't help but just stop and listen because he's so good in certain certain aspects of this business. He's one of the best real estate agents I know, if not the best. He has such a way with words when speaking with clients. He's so diplomatic when it comes to negotiating. He's really clever when it comes to creating win-win situations for everybody involved. And he really wants every transaction to leave everyone feeling like they got something from it. And he's really, really skilled at creating that reality with every transaction. And so being able to be a witness to him doing that is something that I take great joy and gratitude in. And so I was listening to this conversation that he was having over the phone with a client. And when he got off, I was... I kind of made the point to say to him, I love listening to you talk when you're in real estate mode. Like it's, there's just something so special about being able to see your partner just crush it in their zone of genius. Whereas if he and I were in office jobs in totally different industries or with different companies, I would never get to see him excelling in his professional environment. And so I think it's a really special thing to be able to see what the other does best and having a front row seat to that is really special. And so that in itself makes the experience super rewarding. But of course, we have to have something outside of that, right? So in terms of balance right now, there is none. Um, We have two young kids under the age of three and life has never moved faster and it's chaotic and it's messy. And I'm still just about three months postpartum after welcoming our second son. And it's just a really hard, unbalanced time right now. But I know it's not forever. And so what we like to do is look ahead to special vacations, family trips. 
We like to take dates in the middle of the day when we have childcare or someone to help out. Um, maybe that looks like a little coffee date, running out for a coffee, or even just like a leisurely stroll through Costco is so indulgent for me. I love being able to be at Costco with Bryce and walking through and just getting some things. That can be a little bit of a like reconnecting me time for us. Um, but it's just being able to find where you can squeeze that in and still be able to celebrate um, celebrate the, the partnership you have outside of work, right? And I, I think I'm rambling at this point, but I hope that that makes sense. The other thing that we really spend a lot of time thinking about is um, special dinners. So we love going out for special date nights. We love, we're big foodies. So when we really need some time to reconnect and do something fun, it's always fun for us to find a new restaurant to check out. Commissions was another big question that I got. So specifically, commissions, how do you divvy it up? Again, this is super personal and totally up to you. There's really just not one way to do that. And I think that's what's so frustrating for real estate agents and just entrepreneurs in general is there's you just have to understand there's no one right or wrong way to do it. You have to figure out what works for you. And sometimes that means you're going to go through a few different iterations until you get it right. And that's just the cost of doing business. So for us, since we are a single household duo, meaning, you know, we're a husband and wife, like this is our family income. We have a joint PLLC and then we just share the pass through income. So there are some specifics around like payroll and stuff that we have to do that we get guidance from our CPA on, of course. And if you are not running your business with a CPA, even if you're not making money right now, that's got to be a huge priority. You've got to get a professional in your corner for that to protect yourself. Um, But from day one, we had a CPA kind of work with us on this and understand how that works. Basically, whatever revenue we earn goes into our business accounts and then it's passed through into our personal accounts as income. But other duos might decide that paying one or both parties a salary makes more sense. And still others might decide to get paid off of whatever clients they're generating, like splitting leads and then just getting paid off of closings. For example, Say party A runs an established real estate business and they ask party B, who is not a spouse or a romantic partner, to join them. Now, in that situation, I think that identifying the role and tasks that party B would take over and assigning an appropriate salary makes the most sense. Plus, potentially some level of profit sharing based on GCI on top of that. Because what you're doing, remember back to the lessons, you're identifying the role and then you're delegating tasks That's time and energy spent contributing to the business. There's a monetary value that should be attached to that. So sometimes identifying salaries can make sense in that space. Another question was how to interview a potential partner. So when it comes to interviewing a potential partner, you first really want to start with yourself and understand what it is you're looking for. Are you looking for camaraderie? Are you looking for partnership? Do you need a partner? what do you need that partner for, right? Sometimes what you need is mentorship. Sometimes what you need is coaching. Sometimes what you need is maybe a different team environment. If you do determine that it's a partner that you're looking for, you really have to understand what's missing in your current business and what that person needs to fill. So if you specifically are running a business and you're like, you know what, my husband or wife or whatever would be perfect in this part of the work. I want to bring them on and I want to share this with them and I want us to be a husband and wife duo or whatever. 
at that point, you need to have a lot of candid conversations through the lessons that I spoke about at the top in terms of making sure you have synergy with um, your goals, values, and mission, understanding the roles and what strengths would be contributed there, and whether or not you two would even work together. And you, you really need to go through a long process when you are considering this and you need to treat it like a marriage, right? Like as if you're interviewing someone to literally marry. And maybe that's the situation you are in, in which case you need to be even more careful about making sure that you are being intentional about the process. I think just running through what I mentioned before, um, really understanding lessons one through three, finding synergy, roles, and delegation, making sure that this person is going to be a good fit with those is going to be a really good start. But the other thing that you might want to do is have a fail safe. So if this is a personal relationship that you really don't want to muddy the waters with um, shenanigans and business, then give each other an out. So maybe say that you'll do a trial run of a partnership for 90 days and decide a a payable structure for that just to make sure that the other person is getting compensated for the time and effort they're giving you and give yourself 90 days as a test run just to see if you work well together. The other thing that you can do is start just delegating small tasks to them and see if they would take on projects with you, right? So maybe there are specific areas in the business where you just need some help in and you can kind of start to give them small kind of contractor like tasks to take on just so that you guys can get a sense of how you work together. Okay, the next question, if your partner wasn't your husband, would you want a partnership? I love this question. I've never been asked this. And the answer is, hell yeah. I don't want to do all this by myself. <laughs> I mean, I big kudos to those solo agents who are out there crushing it. To me, that To me, that's really just not something that I was ever interested in. Um, that sounds honestly really hard. And at the very least, if I was a solo agent, I would definitely have still a small but mighty team underneath me. I think that, um, when it comes to succeeding in business and creating really cool traction in different areas of your life, you got to have more than one person to do it. Like the expectation should never be that you're going to do everything solo at the very least. If you are a solo agent, you are going to need a bomb executive assistant who can handle so much of this work for you and on your behalf. Because then what's going to happen is you are going to create a monster where you are completely tied down to the level of work that you've created for yourself. And it's going to be one of those situations where you have a really rude boss, but a really bad employee. And both of them are you. I did get a lot of questions about the division of labor, and I think that I've answered that pretty clearly. But again, I'll just kind of reiterate. So here's how we've decided to do it. Based off of our interests and strengths, I am in charge of everything from marketing and back end. So everything in terms of building the brand and audience, and then generating clients from that, growing our database, creating those wow experiences, that's everything that I'm in charge of. And as soon as we get that employment contract signed by a new client, that's where Bryce picks up. Um, I don't like negotiating, even though I can. Um, I don't like writing contracts. I don't like showing houses. I don't like twittering around town. Like that's just not for me. Everything up until that point is what I love to do. So the final question that I got was with your partner, how do you balance household and childcare responsibilities? And this one's a doozy. 
everything's equal for us. So some people are going to have different approaches to this again, especially depending on what roles they have in the business. Um, but for us, it's straight down the middle. So um, in terms of business, he and I probably have um, a similar workload for our days. They are busy days. We both do a lot of help um, with the kids. So Bryce has mornings and then we both do bedtime um, with the kids. Right now with our newborn, I'm way more involved because that has a lot of other aspects to it, of course. Um, things like nursing and feeding and just some of those some of those things are just a little bit different for us right now. Um, when it comes to the household, a lot of that for a while was me in terms of cooking and cleaning um, because I wasn't the one running out on showing appointments all the time. So I was just at home more often. Um, but even over time, we hired a house cleaner once a month and then every two weeks and now weekly. Um, we now also have a full-time nanny, which we've had since Grady was about five months old, our older son. So we have uh, full-time in-house childcare while we're working from home. Now, because we work from home, we also spend a lot of time during the day with our kids, and that's kind of how we like it. Um, so again, it really depends on what works for you guys and who's going to be at home more and, and how much work at home or with the kids you have. And it's probably going to look like you guys are going to have to divvy everything up 50-50 in that situation because that's what we have found works at least. But we also are very quick to delegate and hire other people to help in terms of household management um, and child care. Okay, this was a way longer episode uh, than I kind of thought it would be, but I hope that this was super helpful. I hope that you enjoyed listening. And if you are also considering a partnership or if you have one and you need some help, and you don't really know where to turn, reach out to us in the Market Authority Academy. We are constantly working with agents who are navigating these tricky waters, and we would love to see how we can help you make this your most profitable year yet. Thanks so much for tuning in. Till next time, keep on crushing it. Thanks for tuning in. High five on taking some time to invest in yourself and in your business. If you're looking for more, head over to the show notes to find all the details and links to resources mentioned in this episode of the Market Authority Show. And if you're looking to find a new crew of like-minded pros to ask questions and bounce ideas off of, head over to themarketauthorityacademy.com to join my exclusive community on Facebook, check out my latest free masterclass and tons of bonus content, or apply to my mentorship program to learn how I can help you triple your business this year. Until next time, keep on crushing it.